following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, X-Men, Apocalypse, Severance, Family Matters, Minority Report, The Da Vinci Code, Mythic Quest, Fight Club, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, The Eternals, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, Venom, Groundhog's Day, Spider-Man, Batman, and Stargate. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or ancient Egyptian gods that can take over your body and make you do cool acrobatic stunts. Oh, I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always, whenever I'm reviewing a Marvel MCU TV show, is my co-host, Ryan T. Lawler. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Good to be back for a TV show. It has been quite a minute, huh? It's been a while. We didn't cover Hawkeye. Um, no. Because this is Robots versus Dinosaurs. We try we try <laughs> a little bit to stick to the premise. And it, it was very it was just impossible for us to justify <laughs> reviewing Hawkeye. Um, but we definitely covered WandaVision, uh, every episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and also Loki. So we are yeah. back to bring you uh, the newest show. Ryan, why don't you tell them, why don't you tell the listeners what show we're reviewing, what episode? Uh, well, today we got ourselves um, Moon Knight, the new Disney Plus MCU Marvel television show. It is fantastic. And the episode we are on is episode one, The Goldfish Problem. That's mm. right, The Goldfish Problem. Why do you think that it's called that? Uh, having seen the episode a few times, why do you think it has that name? Well, I think it has that name because his memory seems to be like reset, reset kind of like a goldfish has a three second memory. So it's kind of like, I think it's in reference to that. I think we can safely say. Yeah. It is not actually true, but you know. I was, yeah, I was going to say it is, it is like a, uh, what is it? Like a urban legend. Um, yeah. One of those. It, it's, it's like close to the truth. They, the goldfish do have a very limited memory. Uh, it's not exactly yeah. like 30 seconds or however long people tend to think it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a fun thing to reference in culture. It definitely like fits the theme of the episode. But also, there was a literal goldfish problem. Yes. Um, yeah, which we're going to get to when we get to lose big three. So oh boy, am I more excited? on that later. <laughs> Uh, this episode was directed by Mohamed Diab and uh, written by Jeremy Slater. It stars our boy Oscar Isaac, uh, also Ethan Hawke, F. Murray Abraham. And I wrote down, um, there's a lot of other people in it, but I wrote down Lucy Thackeray because she played my favorite character in the show so far, Donna. Is that his boss at work? Yep. She's the best. He's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> with the actress? Not at all. I looked her up just to see if there's like anything else I've seen her in, any voice acting credits, nothing. I was actually surprised that uh, I've never seen her in anything, but she was perfect. Just just pitch perfect. Yeah. Nailed it. And I have to say, I think personally the acting in the show is top notch. So I, I feel like it fits right in. Mm. This is maybe the best I've seen Oscar Isaac. I've seen him in a few things. Poe Dameron, of course, in Star Wars. Um, he was in 
Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse. That's the other Marvel. Yeah, I knew he was in another Marvel thing. It was Apocalypse. And and yeah. you know what? All of the problems with that movie, I would I won't blame Oscar Isaac for them. It's not at all the problem. He is a great actor. He's mm-hmm. never really usually his fault. <laughs> he gives he, it his best. He just they put they just buried him under like 10 inches of prosthetics and just didn't give yep. him much to do. And it was, yeah, this is not the uh, X-Men Apocalypse podcast, though. Yep. Um, this is Moon Knight. So later, later. Maybe, maybe at a later time. Maybe. Big maybe. I don't want to cover that movie. Uh, but <laughs> the opening scene of the episode, we hear um, this Bob Dylan song, Every Grain of Sand. Uh-huh. And actually, it introduces our villain. Well, I think he's going to be our villain first, uh, Arthur Harrow. Uh, we s- we see him using this cane that has um, what is either like an Egyptian crocodile or maybe alligator ver- variant Loki uh, on it. And <laughs> he drinks a glass of water. He breaks the glass, and then he sprinkles the broken glass in his sandals and walks off. Yeah, and like. Do you think that's just some, like, hot-headed cult leader type shit? Like, oh, I'm going to put glass in my shoes and I can walk all day. But, he, uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think that it's more than that because he actually knows there's special powers, right? So he can't really just – why do you think he's putting glass in his shoes? Because I couldn't, I couldn't come up with a reason. I thought, oh, he's the cult leader. He's got to prove that. You have to, you know, think through the pain as you go through your day, you know, and that's how I interpreted it. But like when I found out that he actually kind of is like magical a little bit or or is he? I don't know. Or is he because we can say, is Steven really seeing what he's seeing? Because that's Mm. one of my questions is anything that he's really is that all reality Mm. or is it probably, you know, not interesting. With Ethan Hawke, uh, are you familiar with the biblical concept of a hair shirt? No, not at all. Very um, bad knowledge. Very bad, I'll be honest. That's okay. Mine's not, <laughs> mine's not much better, but it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's something that is I'll, – I'll, I'll find a good like link that really explains it and maybe explains the origins of it and put that in the show notes because I'm definitely not adequate to – uh, I'm no like theologian or Bible historian, um, but the basic concept. Have you seen the Da Vinci Code? No. Um, no. There, there, there's a character in that movie that's like a very devout acolyte of the church, and uh, they have to. They basically they have this belief that like they have to suffer in order to show their devotion. And okay. they have to the suffer for their sins me. to be more like right. Jesus. So, like, it takes the for, it's it's a form of penance. Um, yeah. And so, it, in that movie, in Da Vinci Code, it takes the form of like they whip themselves with like a like a cat of nine tails. They just take their shirt off and like whip themselves really hard. Um, and I then saw that actually, now that you're saying it. Oh, no. and so the hair shirt thing is literally people in Bible times, uh, and again, I, this is a very broad explanation of it, would stuff a shirt with hair so that it would be itchy and uncomfortable, especially when you're walking around all day in the, in the hot sun. And oh. it's just a way to remind yourself that your mortal flesh 
is made to suffer on this earth before, and that is how you earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. So I felt like that's what kind of we're seeing with Arthur Harrow is the his like Egyptian worshiper of Amit, I think is his god, um, that yeah. he is suffering. And I think the other part of it is that when he finds somebody in that village or whoever the devotees are that gets judged like poorly, like the old woman, he's that's how he's like healing his feet. Like he cuts himself up just to prove his devotion to his God and then takes their life force to heal his body. That's just my, my working theory. We didn't, we, nothing in the episode confirms that, but that's what I, that's kind of my interpretation of what we saw. No, but that's the best. That's one of the best things I've, I've heard. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Cause I, I was, you know, kind of where I was going when I said at the beginning, you know, I'm the tough, that's kind of what I was going with the penance and the religion thing. But, mm. you know, um, so I, I understand that, but I like that, uh, that last thing you said that he's using like almost like the energy of their life force to that's, that's good. It's the fact that we see him do it in private. Like he's not, he's not doing it as a show. He's not doing it in front of his followers. He's doing it totally in private. So -hmm. that's the only reason I think like he is legitimately like doing it out of devotion and cutting himself up. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Nonetheless. Almost too, because he knows it's it could it's real. I'm thinking that too. Mm. Like knows that it's it's it is real. There's really a god that he is maybe an avatar to in this world. We haven't figured any of that out yet, but so he's actually paying his penance to that god. Almost, you know. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Uh, so after after that whole sequence, we do get introduced to our actual main character, um, who. I guess we'll call him Stephen Grant for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's Oscar Isaac. And immediately it's a weird situation because his leg is, he wakes up, his leg is strapped to the bed and he has to unstrap it. Um, there's like blue tape uh, on the on the inside of the door and he checks it to make sure that the door hasn't been open all night. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting the sense that maybe that like he sleepwalks or he yes. doesn't trust himself at night for whatever reason. So yeah. And also, there's a great song. I think it's Engelbert Humperdinck, which is the song that's playing and when he's kind of sleeping and waking up. Mm. Another, and I really another great thing to this this show is the music, which I feel they almost use the music and the kind of like James Gunn uses it in his movies, which is they're very like specific to the to to what's going on, and he really finds the depth of the music, mm-hmm. which trying to be to be awesome. Like it really fits the scene in the moment, like almost sometimes to the words and to the just, it's really great music selection. And again, same thing, kind of like what James Gunn does. Like he just uses pop music in a really wonderful way in, 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 in movies or shows. And, and I, and I love how they do that in this so far. I hope they continue it because I love the use of pop music in in shows, movies, in a good, not just the needle drop, boom, we're going into a fight, like, but like to really artfully use it. <laughs> um, I yeah, absolutely love the "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" during the cupcake truck chase. That, that was fantastic, brilliant, absolutely brilliant, <laughs> like juxtaposition of just the this like silly, fun, upbeat club song. <laughs> And yeah. this 
crazy, violent car chase yeah, on the side of a mountain. It's, you know, they're singing about how wake me up. And it's like, he, it's like, it really means something to the plot of the, of the, of the show. It's not just like a pop, a fun pop song. It actually makes sense to the plot of the episode, which if you listen to the lyrics, wake me up before you go, go, you got to listen. It's like, it's, it's just great how it connects and how they use the song to enhance the scene, even though, oh, that's great. Great. But like they chose that song on purpose. And it's, it's great. Same with the Bob Dylan song at the beginning. I didn't. I I recognized yeah. it as Bob Dylan, but I had to Shazam it to figure out like what's what is this song, and just the name of it is perfect. Every grain of sand because we're this episode is is is. And I'm assuming the Moon Knight comic. Which, by the way, um, just disclaimer: I have never read a Moon Knight comic. Have you? Neither. I've yeah. never. In fact, I've never read a lot of comics, but I don't even know. Like, at least, you know, I know some basics of, like, the Spider-Mans and Batmans and Supermans. I don't even know about Moon Knight. I don't even really, I don't even know what it's about. And so when I heard it was coming out, I was like, oh, excuse me. But, like, it's uh, it's cool to see a new character brought to life in a Disney Plus show, which we haven't seen yet. Yeah. And um, it clearly has a lot to do with, like, uh, Egyptology and... and ancient Egyptian gods and like sand and hourglasses and, and things like that. Um, there's a, I've, I've picked out a few lyrics from this Bob Dylan song that are like, I think, I think like you said, it's very deliberate music choice and especially because they're overlaying it over the villain. Uh, Mm -hmm. so these lyrics I think are very interesting. I gaze into the doorway of temptation's angry flame. And every time I pass that way, I always hear my name. Then onward in my journey, I come to understand that every hair is numbered like every grain of sand. I have gone from rags to riches in the sorrow of the night, in the violence of a summer, summer's dream, in the chill of a wintry light, in the bitter dance of loneliness fading into space, in the broken mirror of innocence on each forgotten Ooh. face. Yeah. yeah. Totally. See how, like, it's great how those specific song choices really fit the scenario. I love that. That's... And- Imagery of mirrors, which we see a lot, broken glass. Yeah. Yeah. Which are all over the show and all over the episode. It's great. Uh, Another thing that we see when Stephen wakes up in his apartment is his little goldfish, Gus, uh, that he talks to and feeds. And um, they, they make a point of showing that Gus only has one fin. Yeah. And that comes back up later on. And so, Ryan, uh, this is actually one of my big three questions. Do you want to do you want to jump into Lou's big three? Sure. Let's do All right. it. Um, Ryan, do you want me to play the theme song for Lou's big three or do you want to sing it? <laughs> I can play it for you if you want. I'll play it because I've never heard it. OK, well, one sec. It's been a while. Play it. I want to hear it. OK. Lou's big three. It's you and me. We're going to have fun with Lou's big three. <laughs> lose big three it's you and me lose big with fucking Lou <laughs> <laughs> big three with Lou it's me and you uh, anyway lose big three number one um, later on when uh, when when Stephen wakes up and um, Gus has two fins 
and he, yeah. he freaks out about that. He takes him to the pet shop, and and he has the, and he finds out that he's lost several days, uh, which at first he thinks is just he's lost several hours. It turns out he's lost like two whole days. Um, was Gus healed or was he replaced? I think that it was Mark Spector, his other person, his main personality, trying to keep Steven in the dark, and he is doing all this stuff too. When he's Mark, he's retaping the door and he's relaying the sand and he's doing all that stuff, replacing the goldfish, possibly. Why, though? Why replace that, the fish, then? Why replace the fish? That's a good question. Why replace the fish? That is great. And I was all over the Mark Spector doing it. But now when I think about that, shit, you know, there's no tinder. In fact, replacing the fish makes it worse. Yep. So why is that happening? Hmm. That's why I think that possibly a lot of what we're seeing through Stephen Grant is not real. Mm. I think everything's going to be fake, which God, I hope not. But I hate when stuff like that happens. But I, I do feel like a lot of what we're seeing is details are not correct. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I... I I feel like it could be that then. I'm going with that. It's something to do with his something to do with his visions and, and memories of that that are fucking with it. Not maybe he didn't really ever have a bad fin. Hmm. And something has changed in these two days that are now affecting his life because he clearly went, stole an artifact. Arthur wanted it back. There was a whole thing going on with Mark Spector here at the cult that we didn't see. That mm-hmm. that kept. so it could have something to do with that. That his, he's seeing it that way. I don't know if which was the original or the whatever, but I always wanted to go with the Mark Spector is changing things to affect Stephen, which works for a lot of it. But thinking about this as I'm saying it, the goldfish. Mm, there's something a little weirder about, and the episode's named after it. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be something more important to it. And I think it has something to do with his, his, his memory. And yeah, I think it has something to do with false memories. I'm going with that. So that's why I don't think it was replaced. I think it was healed. I think that um, when, what's his name? When, uh, when Steven is taken over by Mark, um, he has some sort of healing ability because, like, he wakes up in a field and his, like, jaw is messed up, his mouth is bloody, yeah. and he seems to just be able to do that thing, that movie thing where he just, like, cracks his jaw back into place and then, like, stretch yeah, my- a little bit. Oh, it's good. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and then he's, yeah, and then he's just running and on the go. So, like, I don't know. that th- That's not explicitly, you know, like, healing factor like Wolverine has. We haven't seen anything like that. But I feel like maybe that is what's going on, is that whatever power, uh, whatever it is that he's getting his power from has some sort of healing mm-hmm. ability, and maybe and he, that extends healed. to the goldfish somehow. When he healed the goldfish, and I was like, what the f***? Ah, it's totally, totally cool. See, I think that, I, like, from the things I've looked at in the comic, I feel like... Stephen Grant is not the main personality. We're seeing glimpses of the secondary personality, and we're going to find out 
that it's actually Mark Spector who is the main guy. And this is like, we're going to see what happened. We're going to see what happened in all these gaps, of course. And then it's going to come back to, oh, shit, you know. Oh, I'm the side personality. Yeah, you know that I don't like to watch trailers or, like, read news about stuff. And I did, when I was looking up the episode on IMDb, um, just the synopsis on IMDb stuff. <laughs> had a huge spoiler. What'd you say? I'm just going by comic book stuff. So yeah. I'm just... What I read from what the comic book is. Um, I don't like. I guess spoiler if you haven't watched. You if you. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, because uh, this is all stuff that's available out there. So you know, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of listeners have already been exposed to it. Um, but I just want to like quick spoiler warning for the following. Um, this is the summary on IMDb: A former U.S. Marine struggling with dissociative identity disorder is granted the powers of an Egyptian moon god but he soon finds out that these powers can be both a blessing and a curse. And then underneath that is a second summary that starts with the series follows Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop. So, yeah, even in the synopsis, it's like one synopsis is all about, well, he's yeah. this guy, but he thinks he's this guy. And the other one is, well, he's this guy, but he yeah. thinks he's this guy. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel always changes things up, like in the movies, in the shows. They don't, they never totally 100% take something and adapt it truly. They always manipulate it, change it, so that it is still a surprise to people, which that's why I kind of love the MCU. They they take the... the <clears throat> God damn, these freaking white claws. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, they take, you know, the comic book story, but they just... You know, they don't totally like spoil the whole thing. They just take beats from it and you kind of use that to to make the show or the movie. And that's kind of cool because a lot of people who've read the comics kind of don't want to be spoiled either. And I like how they do that. They change it up. Mm -hmm. So it, that we may say about this, I it could be totally different. Who knows? That's just what what I've read is, you know, so yeah, could be lots so of. So lose big three number two. How come when when uh, Mark Spector is is in charge and is like doing his you know Jason Bourne stuff, whatever he's doing, um, why doesn't he just stay in control until they're both completely safe? Like why does he keep shifting in and out? Because him as a person actually suffers from this disease, so it's not it's. This it's not it's it's not his fault. He can't help it. He's a person with multiple personality disorder. He can't help that he goes back. So do you think it's that whenever he's Mark, uh, some part of Steven is like fighting to like regain awareness, and that's why he eventually, like, yes, once he's there's, a little bit safe, is able to do that. Yeah, and I I think there's a stimulus that we haven't learned about yet. Maybe that's. Mm the changes so okay. i mean i don't know what exactly that is but i'm sure that's why i like the show because it shows these mysteries and we now have like it's it's just got that wandavision vibe like where it's little mysteries and we got to figure i i really like that so i really think there's something going on that's triggering this that we maybe don't know about we're going to learn about something to do with maybe his reflection i i don't know possibly because so far uh, 
Mark seems to be activated by Stephen's life being in imminent danger. Yeah, um, it's, it's in danger. He take he always comes and takes over. But it's not like it's not like uh, immediate though, because when he's got the scarab and you know Ethan Hawke is like, "Give me that," and he's surrounded by all of his his followers. Uh, the the Mark side of him lets him play this whole ruse of like, no, I'm not going to give it to you, knowing like this isn't going to work. Like there's no way he thought that, oh, yeah, this is going to be fine. That'll be enough to keep it away from them. He must have known like I have to completely take over to get him out of this situation or he's going to get himself killed. But it wasn't really until the last moment when that bigger guy grabs him that he's like, OK, flash, I'm yeah. taking over. And then he wakes up and there's five dead bodies. I think just the natural in his brain, the disease, when the, the, when the adrenaline gets high and he's on the verge of death, that's mm. when, that's when the personalities are going to switch. It's just, it can't happen until the surge of adrenaline, the, or whatever it is that puts him right before the verge of death. He's about to be shot. He's about to be attacked or he's about, it's just, it's gotta be right down to the fact. And then, you know, you have, poor Kanchu, the god here which is like venom you know like <laughs> <laughs> you know and i don't think Kanchu really has a control over who is who is in control and he's like you know because a couple of times like damn it the idiot's back you know right like, you know he it's like shit he's trying to control this other guy but this son of a bitch keeps popping in and ruining it and i think that we're, we're seeing that side of it now but mm. we're gonna see other side of it later like we're you know this guy keeps coming in fucking everything up and he's like what what am i, I oh my i don't know mate oh uh, you know and, but, but <laughs> so like, it's kind of, it's kind of like maybe mark for whatever for reasons we'll find out later mark struck a deal with Kanchu, um and Kanchu maybe didn't know that mark has this other like this dissociative yeah. identity disorder I, I, something like that yeah. Some Mark with I think and hopefully we'll find out. But he didn't you know, this whole personality disorder thing was a uh, not what he expected. So <laughs> he just he has Kanchu has less control when he isn't Mark. Mm. You know, so it's like, you know, Mark, get back in there. I need you to take control of him, you know. And there's cool. that one in the delivery cupcake truck where he's like you know, if you don't, if you don't stop him from giving him the whatever, I'm going to kill you both. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. That was really so, interesting. There's a, like, this episode was so cool because I feel like there's such another side to it that we haven't seen that's going to be revealed. And that I love that kind of thing. And that's this exact thing we're talking about, speculating about what is going, that's, that's the coolest part. I love it. Do you feel because you said earlier that you might think that everything he's seeing isn't really there, like it's all just visions or hallucinations, maybe? So do you think like or, what? Or it's somewhat of a of a a dream type thing to him, but uh, or, or he's, it's not all real. But I don't really know why. Do but you, I feel. Do you think yeah, that it's on. a thing where like when he is he just has DID? And when he's in danger, his, like, trained mercenary marine side comes out. And in his mind, he reconciles that as this, like, mummy-looking 
god thing wrapped up in bandages and a white hoodie? Or do you think that is actually manifesting through I, magic of an Egyptian god? I think that it is actually happening. Me too. There is no way they're going to go through this whole show and then tell us that Moon Knight isn't even real. That No way. Okay. If they do, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> but no, I do not think that... I, I, I don't think that it's all... I've thought about that, that it's all... Because there are people who've said, if you look in the mirror when he's changing into Moon Knight, in the first reflection, the bandages come up, but in the reflection, there's nothing. That's interesting. There, so, I clocked the moment when he's running away from the like the jackal from Stargate, um, and he like he sees his reflection in the case, like the glass case. Yeah, and he keeps walking, but the reflection <laughs> doesn't. Like that was cool. Uh, There's so many cool things. The well, so I, here's a question. So lose big three number three. When he is going to bed at night, he puts that leg restraint on. He's got the blue tape. We see him at one point, like, surrounding his bed with sand, I guess, so he can see his footsteps if he does get out of bed. Are we supposed to think that, like, the leg restraint actually works? Because how could it? If he's that powerful when he's Moon Knight, like, how could that do anything? We're supposed to think that Steven thinks it works. Okay, and so Mark is also trying to convince Stephen that it's working right. by putting himself back in the leg brace, right? I think Mark is going back, retaping, relocking, moving re- the table, putting himself back, and then he goes to sleep, and then when he wakes up, he's back to Stephen, and Stephen's like, "Oh, what the fuck? You know, oh, oh, I'm good. Oh, but no, but then he's still exhausted because he really still was up all night, and because I think." Mark, of course, obviously we've seen a little bit of Mark Spector and he seems to know that he has this disorder, but Steven doesn't. That's yeah, kind of he, he's got a he's I'm, got a secret cell phone stash, and I appreciate the detail yeah. that he stashes the charger for the cell phone with it. <laughs> yes. Just a nice They're little like a potential a detail thing. Um and a key, right? Did we end up yep. seeing what the key was for? No, I don't think we did. Hmm. Good. I saw the key to, I don't remember him using a key ever. Yeah. Oh, the key. Yeah. No. Okay. No, I don't think so. If, if we're wrong, leave us a comment. Yeah. Robosvdinos at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials. Uh, all right. So, um, so there's a couple of things like he talks about when he's on his way to his job and he's late because I love the characterization of Steven. I love how like Oscar Isaac is playing this character. Everything in from the music choices to his costuming to like the way he carries himself, the fact that he's perpetually late to work, the way his boss talks to him. It's just painting this this very complete picture of who this Steven yeah. Grant is. Um and also what he like what he wants, what his ambitions are, because he comes in, he like talks to the little girl and tells her all about this cool, really cool trivia about the mummies yeah. and the pharaohs and the sarcophagus. And we find like and his his boss Donna basically like berates him for it oh. <laughs> and crushes his dreams. <laughs> you know what I really love too is that scene with the when he goes out for the date with the steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a really great character moment to get to know, like, how this, like, affects Steven as, like, a person. He's just trying to, like, live his life. And, like, shit, I've missed two days of my life. I fucked this up with this girl. 
like all he wants is some kind of friendship or something. And it's, that was like, to me, like a very sad scene. It's so sad. It's so like the, the way the camera lingers on his, on a close-up of his face. We don't even see the waiter. We just hear him. And yeah. the waiter is being so gracious and like trying, you know, just just trying like to to make this guy's night a little bit better. And he's just like the the fact that he doesn't even know how to order a steak. I don't know why, but that just makes it so much sadder and like you know, yeah. what I mean? it just it gives me makes me empath like sympathize with him so much more. Just when give he's, me the best spot. The best bit. That's the bit of the steak that the I best, want. The best bit. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, a very good center cut fillet. Uh, how would you like that? Uh, good. Very, very good. It's so, like, docile and likable. And, like, he's just trying to get by. And it's just, it's he's like, I just feel for the guy. Yeah. You, know? you can just see that he's devastated by this. Like, it's it's just another thing that's not going right in his life. And he has no control. And he's trying yeah. so hard. It's so, yeah, it's it's very, Oscar Isaac is is amazing in this. He really is. He's it shows how it stops. It shows how really great he is at just projecting those emotions. It was so real. He was so good. I think that's the one of the reasons why I am so attached to this show. Mm. Like, I just. I was so enthralled by just, I don't know, just, I just really liked it. The acting, the, the, the mystery of it and how it used the, did you, do you like the technique of how like Mark took over and then just skipped and like, I just love that. And like how, like we can see that down the road. I love this mystery type type mm. things. It was, it was just so well done for me. And when he is Mark, like when he sees himself in the reflection and Mark is like, no, listen, you have to, you're not going to die. You have to let me take over the the difference just in posture, voice, confidence. Like he's Poe Dameron in that reflection. He's just cocky, like very confident space pilot. Like, yeah, I I will get the job done. I have no doubts whatsoever. Absolutely. Like contrasted with the guy who literally can't even order a steak. (laughs) To be honest, I can't wait to see some of the Mark Spector character, like mm. to see that more direct, like knows what's going on, leader type, mercenary, badass kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like which is a complete opposite of Stephen Grant. So just to see how he plays that against that, can't wait to see it. It's, um, you watched uh, Family Matters, right? Like Steve Urkel? And Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel. Yeah, of course. It's one of those situations, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so here's, here's, my, here's why I bring that up. The lesson that Steve Urkel eventually learned was Stefan Urkel is cool, he's smooth, he's suave or whatever, but he's not who he is down at his core. And there was a whole story arc on Family Matters where Stefan Raquel was going to completely take over and, like, completely inhabit the, their shared body and push mm. Steve Urkel out permanently. The and, arc episodes? Yeah, those ones. And, like, it's at first it's like, yeah, no, that's exactly what you want because this is the cooler, <laughs> smoother guy. But I don't know. Like, I like Steve. I wasn't tuning into the show to watch Stefan Urkel. I was watching Steve Urkel. Like, this show... I like Stephen Grant a lot. I don't, I don't, and I don't think it's heading this direction, but I really hope that that this, they're not telling the story of, well, this guy needs to like get, you know, wake up and, and realize that he's actually 
this cool Mark Spector guy and not Stephen Grant. Yeah. What do you think? That, that is what's sad that his, per, like, I do kind of think that he's not the real personality. So mm-hmm. that is sad that in my brain, I think that maybe Mark is real and Stephen isn't, but I do feel that he is going to come to terms with himself and realize he has to live with both or all of these personalities that he's projecting. I think it's going to come to some kind of, it's not going to come to a complete resolution at the end of the show because there's definitely going to be a lot more Moon Knight. But I feel like, I think there's going to be more Moon Knight. I would would think. But um, I think they're going to wrap it up in a way where he's going to kind of find some way to accept both personalities and live with each other. And they can accept that. And Kanchu will have to also accept that. I do think so. I think that um, if there is that evil, he seems like he's a uh, he could be he seems like a venom. I mean, yeah, really like like he's a he's a bad guy, badass, but he could be he has a soft spot. He could be you could work with him, (laughs) you know, based on what I know of like, you got a comp. You know what I'm saying? You know, would you say I cut you off? You need my body we're going to have to compromise. And I think that that kind of is a similar thing that I, I don't want to compare it to Venom because I actually like this a lot more than Venom, but uh, you know, same idea. Well, you're speaking my language if you're comparing it to Venom, because I love Venom and I think that's a positive comparison. Yes. Um, from what I know of Egyptian gods, there really isn't much of like a good or bad. It's like they're gods. They're not, concerned with the, the 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 matters of mortals. Mortals are just their servants. Um, so I would imagine Khonshu, as we get to know him more, is probably feels that way about himself. Like, I, mm-hmm. he probably feels debased that he has to rely on mortals at all. Um, yeah. And maybe is like, like you said, compromising. Like, has to, like, realizes, you know, I just have to deal with this. Yeah. this there has to be a good, a good motivating reason for it. Um, Damn. but makes I do, I just work. I, what's up? It's, it'll, it just makes it easier if we just work together, you yeah. know, like, no, I could go around mutilating all your friends and family, <laughs> but let work together. It'll be, I, I do <laughs> think, I do think Disney and Marvel are not going to bring up the idea of mental health issues and dissociative identity disorder specifically, if they're going to treat it with like if they're going to treat it as glib or insensitively um and i really so again i i just i i do think like we're going to find out that like stephen grant has a lot of merit and there are good reasons for uh there's probably going to be like a situation where mark being mark isn't right for the situation and it's better for them to be stephen right that's that's a good they'll learn to use the different personalities for different aspects of yeah, because he's makes- smart. He knows a lot about history. He knows a lot about Egyptology. So, you know, yeah. and he's clearly like suave with the ladies. He doesn't remember making a date with uh, with his coworker. But he, maybe Mark did for him. Still, well, we won't forget. We won't. We won't remember the part where he fucked it up. But yeah. Um, what else? Oh, they mentioned the Ennead. Do you know anything about the Ennead, Ryan? Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, the Ennead is a group of nine Egyptian deities. Uh, 
it's mentioned when he is talking to Donna about, like, the posters and the advertisements that the museum is putting up. And Mm -hmm. he's saying that they're inaccurate because they're only showing seven of the nine gods. Um, I think this is definitely something we're going to learn more about later. But the nine gods... Oh, no, this is like... Oh, this is like ten of them. Well... (laughs) Because there's what I heard, I read this too. There's like one that is not always in there. Uh, so there's, let me see. The sun yeah. god Atum, Shu, Tefnut, Geb, Nut, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nephthys. Oh, okay. And then sometimes the Ennead includes Horus, yes. who is the son of Osiris and Isis. I don't know anything about any of those names individually. Um, I don't have anything to add to that, but I feel like it's something we're going to find out throughout the show, like which of those seven were included. It's probably going to be significant which two were excluded and why we're probably going to find that out in a, in a upcoming episode. Um, but yeah, that was something, uh, there is like a point where he's looking at some sort of material or like, like textbook maybe. Um, and it says the Ennead, the rift between God and man, which is obviously thematic Ooh. with what's going on in the episode. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. Now, do you think that like, like Steven slash Mark is an avatar to Kanchu? Do you think that Arthur is that similar type thing to this other God? What What's the name of this? The other, his God? Amit. I forget, but... Amit, Amit. A-M-M-I-T, Amit. So I'm kind of getting the vibes that he has a similar thing going on with that god. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't know exactly all the things, but, uh, you know, I think it's something to do with the same type of thing with him and with Tanchu and Mark slash Steven. So, you know, yeah. I think, I, think you're, I, I think you're right. He when uh, So when we see Arthur Harrow, Ethan Hawke's character, uh, in his yeah. village with all of his worshippers and followers, um, uh, two of them, we see two of them go up to him and they basically say like some, they're, they're doing some sort of ritual and they say something along the lines of like, I'm ready to serve her even before she ascends or descends to our plane or whatever, or before she arises, I'm ready to serve her. And they're basically offering themselves up for judgment. And he says to them, he puts his like alligator Loki uh, cane on their hands and it balances. And then this tattoo on his arm lights up either blue or red. I think blue or red. Um, And then he says, I judge you in Amit's name with but a fraction of her power. And then they either are fine or they drop dead and <laughs> and wither their energy and they wither into a gray, like prune. It mm-hmm. seems like, <laughs> so like yeah, they get mummified I, instantaneously. Now I've also been trying to, do you think that I think, do you think that Arthur is on to what's going on with Steven? Because I feel like, that moment when you know, I think he's starting to realize things when he come when he shows when he's when he turns into Stephen when he clearly went there as Mark. You know when he went to the village and then Stephen. It's hard to say because there's stuff missing. But when Stephen reappears, oh, I'm in a uh, cult village. Oh, 
mate. Oh, shit. Oh, mate. You know, and then he fucking <laughs> runs in there. <laughs> like, uh-huh. he's seen him before as, as Mark, clearly it seems. And now he's like, why are you like this now? And then I, I can't wait. I just want to see more of how Arthur is re- is realizing how Mark slash Steven is really the same person slash Moon Knight. I do I, think he, it's a similar thing because when he does the the same like judgment thing with uh, Steven, he says like you have um, chaos. You have yeah. ca- there's chaos in you, and he says like isn't it isn't it maddening like hearing the voices constantly. Uh, so he knows yeah. that he's going through something, but with Amit and not Kanju, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is that, like, Amit is, I don't, I don't know what kind of person Arthur Harrow was before voices went into yeah. his head. But I feel like it's a thing where he wasn't evil, but Amit is evil and Amit has taken over him. Right. Um, yeah. But he also he just might have been evil, and then that allowed an evil god to take over him because he was already already had that within him. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think it's a very similar thing, and I think we're going to see like how he managed because that's also that's a classic Marvel thing. They introduce the character, they tell you his power set, and the bad guy is Warmonger, <laughs> or I'm sorry, Ironmonger, or yeah. uh, the other the the slightly less gold and more silver Black Panther. Um, right. Exactly. There's always the enemy who has the similar powers type deal. Yeah. yeah. And it, but I feel like this show could also throw a twist into that and it could be something different, you know? So we'll see. Cause there's yeah. a lot of magic and things going on in the background. I don't, I think there's a lot more to this show than that, that we don't even know yet, which of course, is easy to say, but I think that it's the truth. I don't know exactly what, but don't get crazy. There is when uh, when it's hard for me to keep track of these names. Arthur, because <laughs> yeah. Arthur and Ethan sound so familiar. Arthur is talking to Stephen about Amit. Um, he says, uh, "Yeah, Amit was well." Stephen describes Amit as the first boogeyman, and. Arthur says, yeah, a boogeyman to evil people or to bad people, um, and claims that Amit knows what we've done and what we will do, that basically Amit is the precogs from Minority Report and punishes people before they've even committed a crime. And and he says uh, if Amit hadn't been locked away or something like that, or if Amit had been here, she would have been able to prevent Hitler, the destruction of Europe— Nero, the Armenian Genocide, and Pol Pot. Yeah, I heard that too. I remember that. Yeah, it's it's kind of well, like it's kind of like when the Eternals show up and we're like, if you guys have been here, maybe you could have done something about Thanos or conveniently fits that we didn't fix all these things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you believe him? Do you believe Arthur is right in that? In that, Amit could have prevented Hitler and other other great tragedies in history. I, I do. Yeah. I believe that he's telling the truth, but sometimes, like, sometimes things in history just shouldn't be erased. So I don't know. I mean, I don't. Everything's horrible that happened there, but sometimes going back and changing the history of things just isn't the right thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. because 
we be where we are now? You just don't know, you know? So could he have though? Could she have, excuse me? Um, yeah, I, like I said, I do believe, I do believe so. And there's something that was stopping these entities from, I think we're getting a whole opening into these God celestial type things and why in all the different things, eternals and all these mystical creatures, the why they possibly weren't here for these type of things, Mm. you know, no, we're going to find that out. I do think that he's right, that whoever Amit is, whatever her actual motivations were as a God, um, she was locked away for a reason. She must have done something that the other gods like needed to lock her away for, to keep her from influencing things. And I think that he might be absolutely right. She could have prevented Hitler. She could have prevented all these things. But whatever she was going to bring to the world would have been worse, arguably. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I agree with that. So, you know, taking what we got was maybe a better option. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, who knows? Maybe Arthur Harrow is the one we should be following all along. <laughs> and they just, they just make him look creepy uh, to throw us off entirely. I don't think yeah. that's the case. I think, I think the show is called Moon Knight. <laughs> but it could be. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Um, so I have sort of like a, a broader question. Like, we, talk, we talked about a couple other things that are similar to this show. Um, like a little bit of the Eternals, uh, the Family Matters thing, which I, I wasn't really a joke. Like I really do see a parallel there. Um, Venom. Um, Ryan, have you seen Severance by any chance? Severance on Apple TV? No, you keep telling me that I should, but that's one with Adam Scott from Parks and Rec, right? That's right. And it's the basic yeah. premise is you can get this elective surgery where when you're at work, you only are aware of your work self and it's called your innie and the, you have no, no memories of your outside life whatsoever. And when you're not at work, you have no memories whatsoever what you did for eight hours at work. Um, you literally just like pass through an elevator and it's location based. So like you get this surgery and it's just activated by going through the elevator that you just flip a switch and you're either the innie or the Audi when you like, depending on what time of day it is. Um, and so, I don't know, that along with, uh, Loki had to do with like rewriting the past, rewriting your own, your own history and your own memories. WandaVision was all about that. Um, it's not, none of the, it's none of these are like, oh, it's the first time in culture that we're talking about this stuff. But why do you think it's, it's all over the place right now? Why do you think it's like something that we're, that pop culture is so focused on right now? Like unreliable memory or changing your history. I think it's just something that as also as I think it's something to do with the fact that it's, it's intriguing. It's very interesting. And also the fact that like mental illness has also become more of into the forefront of like talk nowadays where things like kind of weird like this are more I don't mean to say weird, but uh, things, these types of things are more accepted. So mm. I think that talking about this kind of dip, weird stuff is just more accepted nowadays. So people can, can, can get behind these, these 
stranger aspects that do with your mentality and that it's just we're more in we're more educated on the mind and how we think and so i think that these type of things just come to the forefront more nowadays it's more talked about it's just that's where we're at you know this stuff's interesting and the the brain and and mentality is is really something we talk about a lot nowadays mental illness all that type of stuff so i think that could be why it's coming to the forefront. I like that. It's There's less stigma surrounding it nowadays, so it's easier to right. just talk about it openly and explore it through pop culture lenses and yep. talk, like use big characters and mm-hmm. big stories to, uh, to, to yeah. make those conversations more accessible, maybe. Exactly. Everyone can kind of more relate to these things. Oh, you know, okay, I get this, I get this, and it mm. kind of works. It's, it's, it's nice. I was I was kind of thinking that um, that's I think that's a good answer and I think that is probably like better it's definitely better than what I was thinking um, which is that it might have something it's a little more controversial and I'm not trying to get controversial or political here but I do think like I think a lot of writers uh, when they're writing these shows just have their finger on the pulse of like what's going on in the world you know how can we sort of talk about things that are happening without talking about them, but like, or, or talk about them through an analogy. Um, yeah. And it's, and then like in terms of rewriting history, that's literally a, a debate going on in like elementary schools is like, you know, people, one side thinks people are trying to rewrite U.S. history and another side thinks, no, we're just trying to tell the truth about U.S. history, uh, which we have not done in the past. Um, so <laughs> I think yeah. there's like, it's, it's we're t- seeing that in a lot of our fiction, like Pete, like we have, you know, this authority that's like they control the narrative and mm-hmm. the freedom fighters are the ones being like, well, we need to tell people the real truth. We need to get it out of their hands and give it to the people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I- Good, man. Either one. They both contribute to this whole thing. You know, there's a lot of different reasons for everything. And they mm-hmm. usually usually there's multiple reasons for things. Things come together. It pushes the, the, what we're talking about forward in different ways, different different avenues that we get there. But we got there, you know. We, mm-hmm. Well, you heard it here here uh, first, folks. Moon Knight is officially uh, a, a treatise on CRT, um, packaged as a superhero drama. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of acronyms, actually, um, did you notice, I don't think it was in this episode, but in some of the marketing materials, uh, there's a bus and, uh, with like an advertisement on the side, a billboard for GRC, the global repatriation. We learned about, yeah, global repatriation committee. Let me look it up. Committee. (laughs) I think it's committee. GRC Marvel. That was from Falcon and Winter Soldier, of course. Yes. Global Repatriation Council. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Committee, council, same, same yes. diff. Yeah. Works the same way. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Ryan, do you have any, like, big predictions for episode two or big predictions for the miniseries? Um, it is being advertised as a miniseries, and it's yeah. um, six episodes, and I appreciate knowing that and not, which like, I, what? You know, I, which I can see, mm-hmm. you know? This is kind of like a WandaVision. You're telling like a, a single story up to how this guy is what he is. And it's like, it's hard to imagine how you do a second season of something that is 
re- you're revealing a mystery as you kind of go. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to come up with a whole new idea for a second season for something like that. Yep. This is the show you do once, and now you've introduced the character, and now he's kind of like WandaVision. It brings us up to the multiverse of madness and sets us free. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do that again. Like, you, it's a, it's a one-off type of thing. And then that's why it's a miniseries and a lot of, oh, we want WandaVision season two. And you can't, as much as that would be great, like, you can't, you really can't do that again. Yeah, it, it doesn't would, make sense to do a season it, it, two. It, one. It, it would be very convoluted to get back into that scenario. Exactly. And it, you, and once you go into it knowing when it's already been done once, you, you can't, you just can't do that again. It's mm-hmm. prize and the, the whole idea of it is done. It's over. It's, It'd be like making a sequel to the Truman Show. Like once you know right. the the conceit, it's you cannot make a sequel. Exactly, and I think this show is going to be on those that level. It, it's going to be that kind of show. You just can't do a season two. It's going to be a little reveal of how this character works, and it's oh, once you find out, it's over. You can't do this again. You do you see? Do you see Moon Knight becoming like a big like in the next Avengers movie? Do you see Moon Knight showing up and helping out? I don't really think so much. He's going to be in. I th- almost think I feel like the MCU is branching off into several categories, mm-hmm. which come together in a huge event. But I feel like we're almost our galactic stuff, our street level stuff. Now the dark, the dark stuff like Blade Moon. And that type of thing, like the supernatural, supernatural, cosmic and, and street level. Uh, like, so so like Sam Wilson said, aliens, androids or wizards, the big three, right? Yeah, I guess it all comes down to that. Yeah, it does. And I feel like almost like three pockets of things that like Moon Knight will inter- interact with Blade and Black Knight and all them, Dark Knight. I forget what he's called, but all them characters. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have your 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 Captain Americas and your Buckies and your Daredevils because now Daredevil's going to be coming out. Street level more stuff, even Spider Man a, a little bit. Then you got your cosmic stuff. You know your more Eternals, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, and it's like almost like these three tiers of of Marvel happening now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they'll stay kind of separate now, but I, there will be a huge event that brings them all together, I feel. What's, That's how I think it's going. What's one big prediction you have for Moon Knight Episode 2? We're going to find out Mark Spector's side. Cool. All right. <laughs> yes. I think we're going get to get a little fill-in of, of Mark Spector and more of what he's about. And then... Hopefully from there they come back and go on. But we'll see. But that's my thought. Nice. Uh, awesome. I have um, I have two bonus questions, and you already know what they are. But before we get to those, uh, do you have anything else to say about Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 1, The Goldfish Problem? Uh, no. No? All right. Awesome. Uh, so, Ryan, this is a section of the podcast that we call What's Your Snack? Ryan, what's your snack? My uh, you... snack, a white claw and peanuts. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to elaborate on that. White Claw and Peanuts. Um, you can get them at your local 7-Eleven. Uh, actually, I don't know. Our, 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 this is a total tangent, but are 7-Elevens closing a lot in Connecticut? I haven't seen a 7-Eleven in years. Okay. Because there, there were like two in my neighborhood and they both closed recently. But at the, but at the same time... There's no 7-Elevens really around us. Okay. What's the we're in Connecticut? Do you remember any 7-Elevens? There's really not any. I don't know. What is it like Cumberland <laughs> Cumberland Farms? Cumberland Farms. Kind of a lot of those. Yeah. There, and don't get me wrong. I know there's seven. There was that one in on the East Haven North New Haven line on whatever that fucking road is. Uh, but I can't remember if that's still there. I haven't been over there in a long time. Near that super Walmart over there. Shit. Uh, all right, well, listeners, if you're in Connecticut, you can get uh, White Claw and Peanuts at any Cumberland Farms. If you're in New York, you can get it at uh, 7-Eleven. If you're in the other 48 states, I don't know. You're just going to have to use your own resources. That's yeah. in White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, Ryan, if we were to replace any two actors in Moon Knight mm-hmm. with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito, who are we yeah. replacing? How will it improve the show? Well, let me tell you something. It's always Danny DeVito for me because Danny DeVito is my boy. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to be in a backpack. <laughs> I don't even think you need to say that part anymore. I think I think listeners know that DeVito is going to be in a backpack for whatever reason, <laughs> somehow or another, he's going to fit into a backpack. He's going to pop out of Grant's fucking back and be like, hey! And he's going to take over. Who are you? I'm you! <laughs> I'm now penguin. let me take over. We're going to die. <laughs> oh, my God. Boy. I can save us, but I can't have you fighting me. That's a terrible Danny DeVito. Um <laughs> I, I think, think you're 100 percent right. Um, you failed it. Who's Whoopi Goldberg? Who are we replacing with Whoopi Goldberg? All right, Whoopi Goldberg is Conchu for certain. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. I can't even. I can't even think of anything else she'd play. She's just great at it. I think she'd be a great Conchu. Mm. <laughs> I think my my gut says Donna, but I really, I really don't want to replace Donna. Um, like this okay. actor is just perfect. Her her accent is just so good. Uh, when she's like, Stevie, you absolute rascal. I didn't know you'd taken a crank. The I don't even know what half of that means. but The British accents in this show are hilarious. <laughs> they, uh, really, the... they seem like over-exaggerated, like almost silly. <laughs> I don't I, know, man. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's just a, re- it's a regional thing, right? Like, yeah. Like just certain regions have different <laughs> regional accents. They just, I don't know. It just seems so funny. It seems so stereotypical British type. Like when you say, Ryan, do a British accent. Like that's the dumbass shit I would come up with or something. <laughs> funny. Yes. But I did notice like Stephen, Donna, like the girl at the pet, the, the pet store, they all had the same kind of accent. The waiter at like the very posh restaurant had the more, like, what, what? Oh, how would you like your steak done? Oh, yes, very well. Center cut for that. 
Is that like Cockney or something? I think. Like, I think. Yeah, I think like Stephen and Don, like they're like Cockney. I, this is a very uneducated analysis of English accents. Yeah. You you so would actually know a lot more than I would. Um, I, but but yeah, I think it's like Cockney versus like uh, London. No, because he says he's from London. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea. I have no idea. I just I love the accents. I think they're great. You no, know, it, no, it's great. Trust me, I love it. <laughs> did we did we mention F. Murray Abraham is the voice of Khonshu? Do you know him from anything else? No idea who that is. Uh, Ryan, there is a show I cannot recommend highly enough um, called Myth- Mythic Quest. Called what? Mythic Quest. Myth. Oh, Mythic Quest. Oh, it's I think made I- by Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and uh, it's him, and he's like the head of this video game company. Um, and anyway, F. Murray Abraham plays this guy that like is this fantasy novel writer from the 1970s, and basically Rob McElhaney has like hired him at his video game company to write the stories in his games. Uh, he's just, he's such a, such a good character on that show. Is this and, what we do in uh, always sunny in Philadelphia? No, this is like, this is recent. Method quest, oh, um, ooh, came out okay. two or three years ago. Is it better? Uh, I wouldn't say better, but it's a lot of the same writers, a lot of the same, um, it's the same, uh, I, oh man, what's her name? Megan, Megan Gans is one of the creators. Oh. Uh, Rob McElhaney, Charlie Day, and Megan Gans, and they all like also created um, "It's Always Sunny." So I think you would dig it. I think you would especially like F. Murray Abraham's character. Yeah, sounds sounds great. I've never heard him before, but like I really liked. uh, I just really liked the simple voicing he did in this show. It was great. It was just very Venom esque, but Mm -hmm. I mean. It's still cool. <laughs> he, he's got such a great voice. He's a C.W. Yeah. Longbottom on, on Mythic oh, Quest. Nice. It's, it's, he's absolutely perfect. Uh, all right, we'll, I'll splice this in somewhere, but um, what did you ask so, me? Lou, what, so, Lou, what do you give the show out of 10? One out of 10. One being the worst, 10 being the best. Okay. Um, if we're only, com- are we only comparing it to other Marvel shows or like, Everything else uh, in general. No, I want you to just in general, everything. What do you think of it? Wandavision is a nine point five for me, okay, uh, and that's be- the highest I'll go. Um, yeah. So that's the that's the ceiling. The floor, the basement, is like Iron Fist. Maybe like Iron oh. Fist season two, oh. even. Um, I but I have started watching Daredevil and. Oof, so good. Oh, oh, I didn't have any idea, but yeah. This is definitely this is definitely on the like closer to the WandaVision side of things. I would I would honestly like not knowing what the rest of the show is gonna look like. I'm very optimistic about where it's going. I'm very impressed with the first episode. It got better the second time I watched it. Um and I already kind of liked it, but I was like, eh. I was kind of like, meh. And then I watched it a second time and I was like, oh, you know what? They're doing a lot of little things that I missed when I watched it just casually the first time. So I would give it a, I would give it an eight so far, eight out of 10. What about you? I, man, I'm a, uh, I don't want to go as high as 9.5. I want to leave room, but I'm going to give it a nine. I, I, I really enjoyed the show. Mm. Uh, I was, when I put it on, I was just 
enthralled, like something about the beats of it and the, just the way it went about, it was just, it clicked along and it kept my attention and I was enthralled the whole time. Like, and I didn't have to try, which sometimes with my brain, I have to try. Mm. <laughs> like, and this just, it really stuck to me. I liked it. It was a great show. I really liked it. I'm giving it a nine and I hope that it gets better so I can go to a 9.5 later. It's well shot and nothing, uh, nothing feels like filler. Nothing feels like it's lingering for too long or like wasting mm-hmm. your time as a viewer. Everything's interesting to look at. So it yeah, is. it's very, it's very well made. Yeah. That's what I like. Just, uh, just the music and the camera shots and the acting, it just all kept me very, it was all really quality. And I almost liked the fact there was like no connection to the MCU because it kept me, not that there isn't a connection, but they didn't mention any, anything, you know, mm-hmm. most, it was like, Oh, Tony Stark did this. And you always get like a reference. This is just doing, it's doing its own own thing and that's kind of cool knowing it's in the mcu is cool but knowing it's just it doesn't have to rely on that to push it forward it's using its own story and stuff without throwing in cameos and mentions of tony stark and thor and it just does its own thing and i think that's cool yeah even um even Hawkeye managed to do that a little bit. Like the, it, it, it mentioned the other adventures when he goes to see the musical and, and they're all there, yeah. but it really, that was just used in a way to like make contextualize him and how he's feeling in his retirement and the, the way that other people see the rest of the Avengers versus how they see him. So yeah, they're very good at, at um, making these shows feel like when you go to the newsstand and buy just like the Moon Knight comic and it's centered around Moon Knight and there might be, it might be connected to other events going on with other comic heroes, but it's Moon Knight's story and it's self-contained. And they very much kept it that way without bringing anything from the outside in, which was cool. It's just this, and it would be cool, you know, later on you connect it in the last couple. I mean, that'd be cool to see a few mentions, if not, whatever, but it's just, it's cool. You know, do you, do you like it more than Loki or like just as much as Loki or? To be honest with you, Lou, I think I like this more than Loki. Ooh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to hear that. I, I, I really like, I like the, I just like the way it's shot. And I don't know the, the acting and the way it's shot is just. Loki's great, trust me. But even even you know when I when we did our top tens, WandaVision was my number one. Mm-hmm. So which surprised you then? Yeah. So you know, um, I love Loki. I I really do. But I I don't want to say it is better than Loki because we've only seen one episode. But right. Um, I was more enthralled with this first episode than Loki's first episode. And I knew who Loki was, which, but I feel like this is a better episode than that first episode. That's my opinion. I, I really do close. Not mm. going to say it's, it's beaten it by a lot, but I, I really, yeah, that's, they're, that's they're, they're very close for me too. I could, I could see this being something I like more than Loki, but so far Loki is just, Loki is just my, my jam. Like WandaVision is my favorite of the shows so far, but Loki 
speaks my language with the time travel and the sci-fi stuff. And, and I love that. To be honest, Loki is the show I can put on and watch at any time the most. Mm. Like I, I could, if someone's like, hey, let's watch a Disney Plus show, I'd go right to Loki. Awesome. Because it just consistently, every episode is fun, intriguing, and interesting, and well shot. The cinematography, like especially that third episode where they're on that planet that's mm. blowing up, like some Lament- of the cinematography. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. So I'm still at Loki's the first show I, I, it's even though, you know, sometimes you like a show better. I like Wanda, mm-hmm. WandaVision all around was a, just this tight package of greatness. But sometimes like just throwing on an episode of WandaVision is you know, a little different. Like Loki, you can just throw it on and you're in the MCU universe and you're watching it. And, you know, you've got to get through the aesthetics of the sitcom thing in WandaVision. It's a little different to just toss that on and watch it. You got to, it's, it's like an event. The whole thing is an event. You got to, the whole, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different thing. And totally. will always put it that especially that feeling we got when we first remember when we first started doing the podcast with WandaVision and it was, it was, that was, that, that brings back memories. It was just a great time. I love talking about it. The mystery of it was superb. Mm. I'm rambling now, but. (laughs) Well, no, it's, uh, I was going to say like how I was going to agree with you that like there's, you can just like something like the new Batman it was objectively great. It was... Oh, I talked to you about the Batman, right? Really, yeah. really good. Very high quality. A better movie than the movie I'm about to say I enjoy more, which is Batman and Robin, or even Batman Forever. <laughs> like, the Batman is, let me be clear, a way better movie. It's a better script, uh. better acting, it's better shot. But, <laughs> man, the the... The Joel Schumacher Batmans are fun and campy and ridiculous. And that's that's what I want when I watch superhero stuff. I want, like, campy, over-the-top ridiculousness. Um, I do it to some, to some degree. Yeah. But something I feel like the Batman is just... I like when someone takes it to that level. I enjoy that. But I like... Marvel takes... is They're not campy, but Marvel is a little more silly i guess in some mm-hmm. ways you know they 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 um acknowledge the ridiculousness sometimes which i like which is cool um i like that take on it the batman's more of like this deep serious dark take and no acknowledgement of how stupid it is really this on a batman suit mm-hmm. it almost helps to have that acknowledgement of how stupid it is it's like, yeah. okay Okay, cool. All right, this guy's walking around in a rubber suit with fucking like, come on, in real life, we'd laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, this was a great conversation, and I'm excited to see where Moon Knight goes. Well, this was awesome. I'm really glad that we got to talk about a new Marvel show. Hell yeah. And I'm excited to talk about the next five episodes with you. Uh, okay. So this is, uh, this is all we got for you this week, though, and I want to thank you all for listening to Robots vs. Dinosaurs. 
Um, inevitably, we got some things wrong and our opinions suck. So I want you to write in to robosvdinos at gmail.com to tell us, tell us how much our opinions suck. And I will read your hate mail on air. So far, nobody's taken the bait on that. So you uh, can be the first. You can make history by being the first hate mail read live on RBD. I would love to do it. I would love that to be a, like a, a section every episode. Like your hate mail. Damn. Then hate mail. Who hates Send us? Yeah, we don't know. We know who likes us. We get a lot of like likes and stuff on Instagram. So we don't know that there's no hate button on Instagram. That's the that's the one downfall of social media. Facebook took away the the thumbs down years ago, and it's all been downhill from there. Our society has crumbled since, right? It totally has. You should be able to really dislike something if you don't like it. That's right. So you know where to find us on Instagram, Twitter, or uh, Facebook. You can search for Robots vs. Dinosaurs, and you'll inevitably find us. But you can also email us at robosvdinos at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Um, we love you. Uh, love you. And we will talk. We will see you next week. We will see you next week, episode two. All right. Awesome. That was fun. Ooh. Stefan Raquel is cool, he's smooth, he's suave or whatever. Gonna get crazy. Your mortal flesh is made to suffer on this earth before, and that is how you earn your way into the kingdom of heaven.